Hi, I'm April. And I'm Sam. And welcome to Current Climate. Join us each week as we learn more about what we can do to help the natural world with small changes and big actions. All right, welcome back everyone to our fifth episode. We're going to kick things off by talking about last week's challenge, which was to not use paper towels. The start of a zero-waste lifestyle, cutting down on paper. Um, it was pretty tough. Okay, tell me I more. I say that about every challenge, and I'm just <laughs> trying to find something I'm good at. Well, here's um, the thing. This I... ain't it, sis. <laughs> so here's the thing, though. We are definitely approaching our weekly challenges with an all-or-nothing mindset because it's a challenge. But for your life, you can kind of, you can cut back waste without completely eliminating something, right? So, well, like, well, tell me about your experience and let me see if there's any, like, ways that we can adapt the paper towel usage to your life. Yeah. And so I think I have some ideas on that anyway, because I appreciate what this challenge did. I do appreciate that I definitely cut down on using paper towels. Um, but like you said last week, kind of the biggest key was remembering that I wasn't supposed to use them because it is just so ingrained in me. I wash my hands, I dry them on a paper towel, I put that paper towel in my pocket for later. <laughs> I just store it and then, you know, the next time I'm out for a walk and I have to sneeze, bam, I've got five paper towels because <laughs> they're all in my pocket. So the biggest thing was reminding. So I put this sponge on the paper towel holder. Like I leaned him on it. Not to touch the paper towels because I'm still grossed out by sponges. But so I knew he was there. And if if I needed something in the mess cleanup department, I thought about it. And then... Or like I use that. And then if I went to dry my hands, if I saw the sponge, I was like, oh, it's towel time. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not, not a paper towel time. It's cloth towel over the stove time. Yeah. So all the hand towels I've received as gifts and never used, this was really their week to shine. <laughs> so many. That say like, what's cooking good looking? Or it's lemon lime time. Those really, they really got their chance uh, this week. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure think, they were thrilled. <laughs> I think they were. I think they feel like they're moving up. They're feeling fulfilled. Um, and so I think what would make this easier, or like more of something I could really commit to, is I think more regular towels, like the multi-packs of chamois you can buy for like washing your car. I think I'd be more into using one of those a couple times and then putting it in the wash than I'm into using a sponge, rinsing it, like wringing it out and then going back and using it again. Okay. Like I think I'd be more into like chamois. Gotcha. Is that like the microfiber kind of cloth? Yeah. 
we actually we got an email from Liz H. Thank you, Liz, for writing in. And she did. She was talking about how um, she uses sponges, and she recommended that to sanitize them, you can put them through the dishwasher or put them in the microwave if they don't have plastic in them and they won't melt. So I thought that was interesting. I've heard of the microwave method. I haven't thought about dishwashing before. I do have plastic sponges. I think that's something that I could replace with a more environmentally friendly option when I'm running out. A plastic sponge compared to what? Like um, the ones that, I guess the sponge part. You know the ones that are yellow and then have the green scrubby? Yes. Is that scrubby plastic? You know, I think it is, but it doesn't melt in the microwave. But I have the blue ones with the blue scrubby that's supposed to be safe for nonstick pans. Those definitely melt in the microwave. So That is so funny. Sponge companies are making this hard. Right. <laughs> They're just trying to sell more sponges. I don't exactly, know. Exactly. Exactly. They really are. Because that's what's motivating them. Profit. But um, there, I know that like people who do practice a low waste or zero waste lifestyle use scrub brushes sometimes, or they use walnut scrub brushes, like sponges. So it's like a natural fiber for the sponge, and it's like walnut um, shells. I couldn't think of the word shells. <laughs> um, How does that turn into a sponge? It it becomes the scraper part. Oh, okay. So like I don't I don't remember what the spongy part is but like you also could use like a loofah which is a plant and it's spongy um I don't know what the what people feel about sea sponges because obviously that's natural to break down but it's also an animal in our ocean not Oof. sure what the rules are with that Ooh, I don't know what the <laughs> rules are but it it's skeezy it's creepy <laughs> I always thought that was so weird natural natural loofahs and sponges i don't know what the environmental impact is but i always thought it was real gross <laughs> yeah the animal one is like what but the loofah it's like a like a melon looking thing it's not you know like i feel like that's i'm more chill with that <laughs> i don't know i don't know <laughs> but um anyway so like they do make options that are more environmentally friendly and i think that's something i'm gonna look into of course, they're more expensive usually, although I, I wonder if scrub brushes are comparable, like a wooden scrub brush with natural bristles. I don't, it might, it might last longer too. But anyway, besides the point, there are ways to sanitize your sponges and make them last longer. Well, um, and then so. the issue with a brush is like, that's not the absorbing like property that you need for a sponge when you're cleaning up countertops. You know right. what I mean? You need something that's really going to soak it up. Yeah, like my and then boy, it's the like paper towel. Towel. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's, like, I it's don't a know. practice thing, I guess. Yeah. And then buying like a multi pack of microfiber towels. I don't know the, the impact of that either. I'm well, like, so is that not cool? It's, it's not super cool. It's better, I think, I, I guess, depending on what your focus is on. It's less wasteful because you can use them for much longer. Microfiber towels last like forever, basically. Um, They are made with plastic. So a concern Uh. with washing fabrics that are made with plastic is that little particles go through the pipes and end up in the ocean where small organisms are like ingesting tiny, tiny pieces of plastic. Oh my God. This is so complicated. (laughs) 
Um. <laughs> oh my gosh, I was ready to do another week of this, and <laughs> now I'm like, it. I really have to read. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing, like, truly, if you take a step back, it's like, what will make the habits I have like I can still do to some extent, but be less wasteful. And there are companies that ex- like exclusively make recycled paper towels or paper towels made out of bamboo or things like that, which it's not going to be um, as wasteful because we're not growing trees, which need a lot of water to make brand new paper towels. Bamboo is something that grows very rapidly. It's, it's it'll grow <laughs> kind of regardless like it's one of those invasive species here where people like are like oh that's cute i have in my yard and then it's like their yard is just bamboo um <laughs> so like that's a good option so it's not that you have to say no to paper towels but maybe finding something as long as the cost isn't too severe that's a little bit more sustainable and like that's why that's what's good there's so many different options it's like depending on how comfortable you are switching it up it's like maybe you're just doing recycled paper towels that you could find in many grocery stores. It's like not a huge change. Or maybe you're like full on, no, I'm using this like wooden scrub brush I can compost one day. It's, you know, <laughs> it's like there's so many different options. Yeah. So I think I probably have another week until the counter sponge grosses me out too much. Well, you're going to try so, putting it in the dishwasher? Um, no, maybe. <laughs> I no, don't know. Honesty is good, April. Honesty no, is good. I, like, I think sponges might gross me out in general, whether they're a former animal or a, a <laughs> fake one that's touched wet ketchup at some point. Um, I've got a real problem with sponges. But no, I think I've got a week until, like, of using this sponge until I'm absolutely like, I cannot touch an old sponge. And then I will thoroughly research it. Bamboo paper towels, I like the sound of that. I know it's not it's not an ideal solution. Mm-hmm. But but it's it's an improvement. And that's the If thing. I can't get over the sponge thing, it would be an improvement. Yeah. And like there's no shame in that. It's not I think what stopped me from making positive environmental steps in my life was feeling like I had to be perfect but like we live on this planet that is not environmentally friendly I mean like the planet is but not the people (laughs) (laughs) and it's it is challenging it's not in our culture to just be environmentally friendly the culture is slowly changing and us adopting these habits is part of that but generally it's not like you can just walk into any store and find solutions that work for your lifestyle and your budget that are going to be better for the planet. So it's, it's choosing some things and not choosing others. But yeah, I was probably more comfortable with this because I'm used to using the sponge on the counters and everything. Like I'm not grossed out by it at all. Um, one thing I did do though, that was a challenge for me was cleaning the bathroom with rags instead of paper towels. And, uh, it was fine in some cases. Um, it actually made it easier. I usually hate cleaning the tub, like hair and like dust fall on the edge and then it's like weird soap scum in there. And it just like grosses me out and just like hard to clean with the rag. It was like a swipe and I was like, Oh, that's not too bad. <laughs> like it wasn't like I had to scrub as much. 
So I was like, oh, this is cool. What was less cool was like the toilet and like I live Ooh. with men. <laughs> Hands on. <laughs> so I do think I can seriously cut down my paper towel usage because I realized the sink and the counters and the tub and all that, I was totally fine using rags. The toilet for like the outside of the bowl and the lid and everything, that was fine. It was just in those nitty gritty spots that I was like, I kind of wish I had a paper towel right now. So that was good to learn that like, okay, maybe instead of using like, I don't know how many, like 15 paper towels per time I clean the bathroom, I can use maybe two, you know? So like that's yeah, still, that's good. That's still a good positive step, even though I'm like, I do still want a paper towel for that really gross nitty gritty stuff. I think it is like, like you said, as a culture, we're so used to using these things and we're working on it. We're trying these small changes and maybe over time, like the nitty gritty areas won't gross you out as much. And like, Right, I'll realize I'm not ketchup sponge. Yeah, (laughs) realize your hands are washable, which is what I tell myself every time I touch a sponge. Um, and we'll like get more comfortable with these things. But right now, I mean, we're just so accustomed to these little like luxury things. We don't even think it's weird. Right. Um. So now on to our interesting little grab bag topic. Um. 2020, weird year, promising year for viruses, um, also promising for the first hot girl summer in Russia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not good for the rest of us, though. Not good for the planet, but it's going to be a hot girl summer for the Russians. Basically, this past Saturday, um, this town in Siberia, which I know I'm going to butcher, so I'm just going to say it in, I think, like a New York accent, Verkhoyansk. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was hit, a New York accent. <laughs> it was the best I could do. Um, hit 100 degrees Fahrenheit for, like, the first time ever. That's terrifying. Um, it's terrifying. So this is in the Arctic, which, like, you know, can get warm. We talked about it. This ties in kind of to what we talked about last time with the fires in the Arctic. Mm-hmm. It can get hot enough there to start a fire. But right. this particular town, um, its typical high in June is 68 degrees. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. So this was, you know, 32 degrees hotter than that. That's a um, lot of degrees. That's a lot of degrees. And this is all Fahrenheit, people. We're not messing around with Celsius. Well, then we'd all be, like, dead if it were yeah, 100 degrees Celsius. I don't know how Celsius works, so that's uh, why we're not messing with it. it that um, would be boiling, April. Oh, 100 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> I'm teasing. You're perfect. You're beautiful. Continue. No, thank you so much. I know. But I don't remember how to convert these things. But anyway... So this town, like, it does big swings anyway. It's in the winter, it can be negative 50 degrees, you know, all the way up to June being 68 degrees. So it's, like, kind of crazy anyway. Um, and, like, the Arctic heats and cools because changing temperature causes different pressure. So cold air from the Arctic can go down south and hot air from the south can go up to the arctic so like you know these shifts happen 
but 100 degrees is the highest that's ever been recorded there. Um, and in May, in a different spot in Russia, which is also normally cold, uh, it reached a new May temperature. I didn't finish converting this. It's 25 degrees Celsius. It says 77 degrees, which doesn't sound like a lot, but then again, it's May in Russia, and it's typically a lot, lot lower than that. Um, well, so I brought this up because it's been making big headlines, and I think, like, you know, one of the things we want to address is this pop climate news. And so this is a really big thing. Um, and most scientists, I guess, agree that over the last 30 years, the Arctic has warmed at a rate that's twice the global average. So, you know, whereas mm. we've seen probably in the, thir- in the past 30 years, if we've seen a two-degree temperature rise on average, they've seen four. Like, um, and unfortunately, the Arctic is probably the worst place to get warm. So Dr. Dan Mitchell, uh, who is a professor of at- atmospheric pressure, science at the university of bristol said year-on-year temperature records are being broken around the world but the arctic is warming faster than anywhere on earth Uh, so it's unsurprising to see records broken in this region and we will see more in the near future damn dr dan that's (laughs) not good and so why it's so bad if the arctic gets warm obviously we know that Polar melting will raise sea levels. We see polar bears all the time. They're looking for land. They're swimming so far. They're stuck on drifting ice. Um, so we know that. But like, what's trapped in that ice, what's trapped in that permafrost, um, is carbon dioxide and methane. So two of the worst greenhouse gases that contribute to global warming are trapped in the ice that's being melted by global warming. So it's really just not a good cycle. And then also the more ice that the Arctic has, the more heat it reflects off its surface because the ice is so bright white. So it actually stays cooler the more of it that there is, whereas the ocean is dark and attracts heat and warms up. This is like a triple whammy. It's just like, it's just hit after hit after hit. The Arctic cannot get up. Um, Yeah, so (laughs) we get the melting. It affects all of us because of the sea level rise. Um, Eventually, carbon dioxide and methane that's released will affect all of us too in other ways. Um, This is what's been one of the contributing factors to the wildfire season that you mentioned um, mm-hmm. I think in our first episode that the fires are unusually severe, um, and this this is just one of those reasons. It's also causing different types of, I want to say fauna. I don't know if mosquitoes and ticks count as fauna. Yeah, any animal. But, but they like it warm, and so now they're just tons of mosquitoes, I guess, in Siberia, where there have not been mosquitoes previously. And the fauna that have adapted to live in these cold temperatures, um, like reindeer or walruses, they may not be equipped, evolved to handle tick bites or mosquito bites. 
so this gosh. could introduce this type of heat could introduce a whole bunch of new diseases to these animals that have never had to build up an immunity to it. I'm like so, so sad about reindeers and walruses now. I know. Well, so this is like everything. This is like the the coast of New England. Um, lobsters used to be really prevalent in Maine. And I think the water got so warm that they've had to migrate. So like Maine is losing their lobster industry because of warming They're like waters. known for that. It's like Maine and Boston. Yeah. And so like this trend of climate change in 50 years, the animals that we see in our region may not be there. They may be further north or they may be extinct or they may have had to find very weird ways to adapt or we may have had to introduce um, non-native flora to provide habitats for some of these creatures. Mm -hmm. It's just really like it all contributes to climate change and it's all caused by climate change, mm -hmm. which is just, you know, the worst cycle. So I'm going to end with um, something my professor always said to clarify, because a lot of people um, don't believe in climate change. And is that still had... true? Because I really hope it's not still true. <laughs> Girl, it's still true. We've got people out there anti-vaccine. We've got people out there thinking people aren't all equal. We've got people out there thinking the earth is flat. Lord yeah. help us. So people definitely still think climate change isn't real. And mm -hmm. not too long ago, our president uh, re-mentioned someone bringing a snowball into the Senate floor. Oh, my God. As evidence that the world could not be getting warmer because, look, I've got this snowball. And then Trump uh, has said before, too, it's so cold today. Where's all this global warming? Well, that's why they rebranded. You know, like, that's what I right. find frustrating. Like, guys, you didn't get the memo? It's called climate change now because it's climate changing. Change. It's getting hotter and, and colder. Exactly. Um, so I, one way I had a professor who always said it, he was, uh, he would say, weather's day today, climate is what we experience over time, reoccurring, long-lasting trends. Um, so I think if the majority of the world scientists think that this is happening and we can see it happening and we see the migrations of different animals and we see the sea level rising, uh, the, the case for global warming and climate change is clear mm -hmm. and we can't really have deniers anymore. Right. And I, you know, obviously I haven't done any research on this and it would take a lot of research to s confirm what I'm about to say, but I do feel that the most, like most everyday people who don't have resources to avoid climate change and how it would impact our lives, I think that they are seeing it in a different way because of storms, because yes. climate change causes more tropical storms. And you know what? Hurricanes are freaking loud and noticeable. You're, you know, you can say, oh, the lobsters are migrating and people will be like, whatever. But hey, you could die from a hurricane. Your chances of that are increasing every year as we get more and more of them and they're more and more severe. 
I just hope that people are waking up to that. And I think that a lot of people are. I feel like there's, in the media, there's less of a debate and more of a, okay, occasionally some people say stupid stuff about climate change not being real. But for the most part, when you see an article or a conversation about it, it's how do we solve it? How do we move forward? And I 100% agree with that. I just think that the issue is there's so much money in in energy in our traditional means of energy and unfortunately that's what's influencing politics Mm -hmm. so like science says one thing but your money is telling me to say something else okay well i guess the call to action is vote them out vote them out (laughs) (laughs) next today we have a little beat gate going to read an article title to april but she doesn't know what the article is about and let's see what she thinks about it and then go from there the article it is an opinion i like this this is from the detroit news and they make it so clear that it's opinion which is nice but so it's opinion colon from environmental villain to pandemic hero plastic is back for now so that's really interesting. So I, in a lot of ways, am pro-plastic, where I think it is a fantastic invention that's allowed us to do a lot of stuff. And I guess, I mean, I guess that's what, so those face shields, I imagine this is about the face shields that, like, Ford started assembling in their factories and that everybody needs and, like, my hairdresser was wearing full-on face shield um otherwise i don't really know what plastic is used for in terms of the pandemic maybe ventilator tubes i don't know but especially when it comes to medical stuff plastic is cheap and sterile Mm -hmm. so definitely useful um did it call it a villain though was that the first part yeah, it says from environmental villain. So not villain in general, but for the environment. Well, I think we should be calling things villains in general if they're environmental villains. Um, <laughs> but I love that. And it makes me think of, like, Plastic Man, Batman's, like, rival. And he's just <laughs> throwing water bottles into the streets. Um, and, like, putting soda can rings around turtles oh my gosh i hate him yeah plastic man's the worst he's a villain not just an (laughs) environmental villain a regular villain just it's just he i guess he's aquaman's nemesis (laughs) good point yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, but so you know that's not only my idea for a new movie uh, but I, I'm imagining this article is about how many face masks, like, or, uh, the face shields we needed because of the virus. So you would think so, but. I did think so. You did think so. And most would. So it's, this opinion article starts off by talking about the life-saving properties of plastic in the sense of bottled water. Which, they use the Flint example of people needing hundreds of bottles of water per day for basic water needs. You know, I don't have beef with that. I want people to be able to have clean drinking water. Of course. 
And, but then they connect it to the pandemic saying that 61% of families bought bottled water when self-quarantining started in their states, a number that jumped to 75% among 18 to 34 year olds. So the younger people being people who usually are skipping water bottles, you know, have their reusable stainless steel things, looking fancy, visco girls, (laughs) all that. So they're kind of acknowledging that people while panic buying got bottled water. And they acknowledge that um, eight states and numerous cities have banned plastic bags altogether, but there's worry that reusable bags could carry the coronavirus between homes and grocery stores. And so several states have suspended their plastic bag bans or are lifting the fees on plastic bags, like if you have to pay five cents to get a plastic bag at the store. They also acknowledge the there's a pandemic-driven resurgence in single-use plastics for fresh food packaging. Okay, so specifically looking at Europe, where there's going to be a bunch of single-use plastic bans going to affect in 2021. But right now, everything is wrapped in plastic wrap, and people aren't stressed about that because they're worried about the virus. So you, it's like the hierarchy of needs. You're not going to be worrying about the environment if you're worried about your own individual health. Right. right? And the U.S. Department of Homeland Security deemed workers who produce plastic, like single-use plastic packaging for food and stuff, as essential workers for the pandemic. So they do acknowledge that some things like gloves, masks, and face shields, catheters, medicine bags, IV tubes, like all this, have also been important. But I find it really interesting that this article is mostly focusing on water bottles and food packaging. Right. And so for me, it's tough to call a water bottle a hero when we, in the same breath, are saying that it was an excess purchase. It was a pandemic purchase. You know, it didn't save anybody in this pandemic. Nobody lost their water because of the pandemic. And I find it really interesting that a lot of people felt like they would. My husband bought water bottles. We bought a pack too. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think it's going to impact our water. And he's like, well, just in case. <laughs> and right. Like, we treated it like we treat a hurricane or a tornado. Right. But, but it's, it's not. not. <laughs> so how can we call plastic a hero for that? Yes. And I also... For our own panic. Half of this opinion piece is talking about Flint, Michigan. Like, half of it. And that's not relevant to the pandemic, but I think they're trying to create a argument of when plastic can be life-saving. But the thing is, that was a man-made problem, you know? Like, that goes deeper than, oh, well, plastic bottles is a solution. No. Completely redoing infrastructure is solution. Yes. Yes. Flint, there's nothing more frustrating than Flint because they're a regular community. They've paid their taxes. They deserve this infrastructure just like everybody else. Water is a basic, basic necessity, and we pay into society through our taxes to guarantee that certain things are there for us. We pay for our water bills, but the infrastructure is supposed to be existing, and it has been years since Flint has had decent, uh, decent water from their taps. Mm-hmm. So again, to call a water bottle hero when it should just have been a band aid, 
right. like it was in Katrina. It should just be a, a bare minimum band-aid. Help them get through this three weeks. Right. It's it's not a long-term thing. And that's the thing. We shouldn't be celebrating the bottled water as like right. the savior. <laughs> we should be mad at the government for being they're they're letting people suffer yes you know we need to acknowledge that race is a huge part of that especially in the case of michigan but there's hundreds of cities throughout the u.s that has the same problem and it's communities of color so that is not necessarily relevant to the discussion of the pandemic and plastic but of course it's very important to acknowledge everything is connected so this opinion piece came out may 26th but there's been some recent news this week related to plastic and the pandemic. So I have here a statement from health experts addressing the safety of reusables during COVID-19. And the statement was signed by 119 scientists from 18 different countries. So it's not just one guy being like, hey, (laughs) this (laughs) this is a lot of people in agreement. Because like that opinion piece said, hey, thank God for plastic, we have all this stuff wrapped up and safe because it's in plastic. They're lifting these bands on plastic bags. And it's, the concern is it will set us back because we were making so much progress in public opinion shifting and laws changing to decrease our plastic waste. But now it's like, oh, I'm going to leave my reusable bags at home and just get plastic bags from the store after everyone got in the habit of it. Um, you know, <laughs> so that's frustrating. And places like Starbucks, you can't bring your reusable coffee cup. They won't take it. You have to get the disposable items, even though before the pandemic, you could. And now this is where I'm going to get a little ranty. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you weren't? (laughs) Well, this ticked me off. I, so in our state, we're in like phase two of reopening. And um, even in phase one, restaurants could have outdoor dining. And my husband and I haven't had a meal out since like February. So we were like, let's do it. Let's go. And in my mind, I'm like, this is great because we've been doing so much takeout, which you get so much extra stuff with that that you don't need. Like they're giving you seven forks and it's two people and like (laughs) tons of napkins and sauce packets I'll never use. You know, it's like a wasteful thing to get takeout. But, you know, I'm not going to deny myself that joy of eating food someone else made. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to actually go and sit down and it'll be less wasteful and it'll be a nice experience to like get out of the house and eat some food, right? Well, we went to a burger chain. (laughs) No, I'm going to say it. Red Robin. They gave us everything in to-go containers. Everything. The ketchup. A straw and the plastic cup with a lid even though we were sitting down at a table, they brought us our burgers in the to-go containers. And I was like, if I had known that, I would have just gotten to-go because now I'm paying a tip, you know, like you don't have to pay a tip <laughs> right. to get to-go. I was like, oh my gosh. And I have worked in the food service since I was like for almost like 10 years at this point. And I know that it is against the law to not sanitize dishes. <laughs> right. <laughs> You can't just like wash them in soap and water like you do at home. You have to put them through an industrial sanitizer that puts them incredibly hot temperatures to kill germs. 
or in a chemical bath that kills germs. You have to. You, your restaurant will be closed down if you don't do that. And so I'm sitting there, this waitress is handing me all of this garbage, all of this plastic garbage. And I'm like, this isn't safer. She just touched that plastic. The, the cook touched the plastic and put it there just like the, he would have, her, she would have touched the plate. You know, I, I literally said to my husband, I'm like, what are they going to do? Throw away the table? what good does any of this do but I genuinely believe it's just a marketing thing red robin doesn't want people to think that they're not taking our health seriously but they're not they're they're by hurting the environment our health is on the line in the long run you know and so if it's if it's equally safe or even if reusables are safer it's just so irresponsible and so freaking annoying (laughs) that they're doing that. And it's not a state mandated thing because I ask other people and other people have been to restaurants that did give them plates in the outside patio dining. Other people went to places that did disposables. It'd be one thing if I had an issue with the government, but it's like, oh, you're just trying to market yourself as caring about me, even though you don't. <laughs> right. Like, I guess like we went out to eat and it was, it was the same thing. It was like the your classic fork, spoon, and knife bundled in a plastic package, mm-hmm. which like you're not gonna use. You're not gonna use even all of those utensils. I wasn't gonna use a spoon mm-hmm. for my salad. Like, so there's the waste. The plastic is the waste. Yeah, um, we, and the we, menus were disposable too. They had yeah. to throw those out. The same for us, and we got the same little bundle, but we each got a sandwich that we ate with our hands. <laughs> So I asked the waitress before we left, I said, hey, we didn't use these little bundles. They're like sealed up, right? So you would think they could just give it to the next person, which under normal circumstances, that's okay. Anything that's still packaged, you can give to the next guest. Like that's not a problem. But because of COVID, I was like, are you going to throw these out? And she nodded. And I was like, okay, I'm taking them home. Like, yeah, I guess you might as well use them. Right, but like how dumb that she put them on the table and we don't even need them and then they're going to throw them out if we don't use it? Before I got into that rant, (laughs) I was going to say this statement from the 119 scientists is saying exactly what I was thinking when we went to Red Robin. Plastic is not inherently safer. Because it's being thrown away, it doesn't make it safer for you, including plastic shopping bags. Yeah, so I was wicked proud of the bag ban, to be honest. Me too. Because, I mean, immediately I just saw in my personal life, we would go, we would double bag, we would come home, and yeah, we used the small bags for stuff like cat litter, but I mean, we would come home with 20 bags and put them in a bag in our closet, and we built up so many, and... Mm -hmm you know, every time we went to the store, it'd be 20 bags through double bagging or like putting the eggs in a separate one or whatever. And, you know, we're a couple. So I imagine families are, we're using tons and tons of bags. So the, and you would see them floating around. You would see them everywhere. So I was actually so stoked on our state being able to successfully pass a bag ban. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Re- repealing that or pausing that because somehow reusable bags aren't sanitary, even if you clean them, I don't really understand. 
Yeah, so this statement says how reusable bags you can wash in the laundry if they're canvas or cloth. Um, there's some plasticky ones that you can't, but like for the most you part. You saw them, right? right? You just take a little. <laughs> right. And the thing is, you don't know who touched that plastic bag at the store. It doesn't mean that the germs aren't on there. The statement also talked about how the cases that we've observed of people getting coronavirus have been because of droplets landing on them. And yes, it can survive on surfaces. It actually survives longer on plastic and stainless steel than cloth or like paper or cardboard. So, you know, let's note that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's like there's, there should be a little bit less concern about what we're touching. Yes, if you touch a droplet on a surface and then touch your eye, it's in there. But You're it's done. not like it's not like a worm trying to cr crawl into your body. You know, it's doesn't it's not active like that. It's just floating around doing its thing and it's like, "Oh, cool. This is a nice warm spot to invade." But it's not like trying to find you like a mosquito, you know what I mean? So, there's definitely this fear that we all have and um they do suggest that if you do reusable bags, you should bag it yourself. You shouldn't have the person who's been interacting with lots of people touching your groceries and putting mm -hmm. it in the bag, the bags you're taking home. But it's not a bad option. And it's, they say, could be safer than the plastic bags. That makes a lot of sense. If you're in control of cleaning it and you're in control of where it goes, it just makes sense that those things are still safe. Right. And one of the reasons why we've seen so much more plastic is because of plastic lobbyists. There's been a Bet. lot of, yeah, there's been oh, a lot of pressure. Lobbyists. They, they saw this as like, oh crap, people really hate plastic now. They found out how much plastic is in the ocean and they really don't like plastic anymore. But if we can convince them that it's safer during this pandemic, maybe their old habits will come back and they'll stick and our industry will be saved. Because I think that's exactly what it was. It was like, oh, this is cleaner, being able to use something and throwing, throw it out. That's so sanitary. But I think Plastic Man's alter ego is a lobbyist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> lobbyist by I day, really Plastic do. Man by night. Yeah, he takes off his glasses, he takes off his suit, and he throws his water bottle right on the ground. <laughs> if anyone listening is good at drawing, can you please create a comic panel about Plastic Man, I would, I would be, love to see that. <laughs> yeah, specifically where he's putting soda rings around turtles. Oh man, what a terrible dude. He's, he's the worst. It is now time to talk about our challenge for this coming week. And the challenge is not getting to go coffee as we uh... just discussed. <laughs> I knew it was coming one of these weeks. I knew it. Oh, no. When you talked about it earlier, I was like, eh, I never brought a reusable cup to Starbucks anyway. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was going to say, like, right now, you don't have a choice. You have to take disposables in most places. So it's, like, extra imperative to actually avoid because it's easy enough to bring like a thermos or like a reusable cup with a straw, like a plastic straw, and use it over and over and over again if you're getting like a nice drink. But right now, you can't. They won't take it. So, okay. So the pandemic has messed up my coffee drinking anyway. 
because my company used to, and I have a reusable mug at work and a reusable water bottle, filter water bottle. I know, I know, I'm an environmentalist. <laughs> um, I'd have the water bottle and I'd fill it up. We had a like a water fountain sanitation thing. Um, and then we also always had free coffee going in the kitchen. It wasn't good coffee, but it was free. So as and much coffee, coffee as I... Free, free coffee is good coffee, no matter what it is. You know, I grew up dollar gas station coffee sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I'm used to a rough cup. Um, but so, I mean, free coffee, water's right there. Life is good. But now, because that's in a break room and is considered a high-touch thing, the handles on these two things, we don't have that at work anymore. Mm -hmm. So now whenever I go in, I like pop a water bottle in my purse um, and I stop <laughs> at Starbucks and I get a, a nice latte for the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And honestly, there to me, I'm a coffee lover. There is something so special about getting a nice latte somewhere yes. out, you know, there yes. it really is. So this this is not going to be a permanent change in my life. I'm definitely going to get coffee out. Okay, so this is really unfair to April. Like, full disclosure, I have not buy, <laughs> been buying coffee out lately. I have in the past. Like, I used to be a serial Starbucks drinker when I had my desk job, like, almost every day. Either I got on the way to work or, like, took a break from work to go get it. I was spending so much money on Starbucks. And I... Now I'm trying to, well, okay, the pandemic does mess everything up because I have definitely been getting coffee out less, but when I was getting coffee, I was doing it really purposely. Like I'm going to go meet up with a friend. I'm going to sit down and get a four here mug at wherever we're going. So I'm not doing any waste and I don't have to stress. Honestly, there's some level of anxiety of giving a to-go cup <laughs> at a coffee shop. Like I won't deny that. Um, <laughs> I also used to work at Starbucks and insider scoop. If you go to the drive-thru and you say, can you put it in my reusable cup? You're still wasting a cup because chances are they're going to be watching their time for the drive-thru and they're not going to want to wait until you, they have your cup to make your drink. So they're going to make it, put it in a cup. And when you get there, they're going to just pour it into your reusable cup. So, wow. yeah. So reserve your reusable cup for actually going into the store. Insider secret. Yeah. Unless you're getting like just a hot coffee. Although even then sometimes it would depend on like how behind we were on the time. But like occasionally if it was your hot coffee and there was no line, you just drive up, we would take your cup and fill it. But if there's a line and you're like the fourth car down, we're just filling up a paper cup and waiting till we have your mug to pour it in. Yeah. So it's not that I'm like addicted to fancy coffees because like I said when it was free at work I would drink that and I think I'm actually in the best position I've I've been in because my boyfriend makes coffee every morning oh, and now because there's no traffic on the way to work <laughs> technically I have enough time to pour it into a mug <laughs> if I like if I have enough time to go to Starbucks yeah <laughs> I have enough time to pour this regular boring coffee into a mug. Yeah. And but I, it's just bland. Yeah. 
I'm trying to spice up my life, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. There's nothing wrong with like buying a syrup or something because even if you're getting like a, like a vanilla syrup in a plastic bottle, whenever you buy something out, there's a lot of food waste in restaurants and in coffee shops just inherently because they need to keep standards really high for customers. That's a safety thing, but it's also like a reputation thing. Like they don't want to be giving someone coffee that's not very good. So when I worked at Starbucks, we were dumping coffee down the drain all the time. They're very strict about making sure coffee doesn't sit for more than 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Wow. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're almost like guaranteed to have a fresh cup. Like, I always grind in my gears when people be like, is that coffee fresh? And I'm like, yes, it is. (laughs) Well, I worked at McDonald's where the coffee standards were not very high. I think we also had a rule where it wasn't supposed to be older than uh, half an hour, but I wasn't looking at the clock. Maybe it was an hour. Maybe it was an hour, genuinely. There, Starbucks has a system for everything. There's a timer that goes off every time you need to brew new coffee. And that involves wow. something, the old coffee. Yeah. So there's like just inherent waste in that because like people could be drinking that coffee. Even, even if using a reusable is an option, it's like generally it's better to make stuff at home where you're in control of what is wasted. And I will save money. And I guess, you know, as they always tell me, if I stop buying lattes, I'll be able to afford a house. <laughs> That's oh my gosh. what I've been told. So I guess I'll be able to, I'll be in a new house at the end of this week. Uh, you know, especially, oh, if I don't buy any avocados, now I'll get a nice house. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say, oh man, my avocado toast ruining my home prospects. I know, I know, but we'll finally be able to to buy a place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I'm excited for this challenge. I think it will actually be something um, I can be successful at because it's another one of those things where I will remember to do this. If I forget to bring coffee, I know like pulling into Starbucks, I'll be like, oh, wait. Yeah. I wasn't supposed to do this. Yeah. So I think it'll be easy enough to follow and it's probably a really good change to make thank you guys so much for listening to us this week we would love to hear from you if you have any great secrets for how to make home coffee that's delicious uh hot or iced you know let us know you can tweet at us current climate underscore on twitter or email us current climate podcast at gmail.com we would love to hear from you any questions any comments We love getting your emails and tweets and hearing from you guys. So definitely keep it up. And if you've been enjoying our podcast, uh, it's still a little baby podcast. It needs lots of support. (laughs) So please leave us an Apple podcast review and rating. That would do a lot to bring this podcast to a wider audience. A full-grown teenage podcast. Yeah. (laughs) And then also, you know, share it with a friend. If you have a friend who is vaguely interested in the environment and maybe wants to learn a little more. Um, We're trying to keep it friendly and trying to keep it kind of fresh and fun. So, you know, let them know. Um, If they don't like it, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, thank you all so much for your support and listening this week. We will talk to you soon. Bye.